0: All right, so Galatians chapter 5, real quick, let me give you a minute and a half update on Virginia Tech. My name is Andy Davies, and Faith Bible Church supports my wife and I, and we are campus ministers to Virginia Tech. Uh, We work with students there who want to have Bible study, who want to learn about the Scripture, and we also do, obviously, evangelization. Uh, One of the side benefits is that we... Get to wear lots of hokey stuff. So this is our first year on campus. Listening to the testimonies, uh, what, what the new members were talking about, that's how I feel. We did all the stuff we were supposed to do. We were on campus. I led Bible studies. I, you know, uh, sat at an information booth and gave out uh, tracts. I talked to students about Christ. I mean, I did all that. But God's the one who, who brought any good thing out of all that. So that, that was the exciting part um, for us. So, we started off the, the year with one student coming to Bible study, which is uh, a, real, a real matter of uh, humility. Uh, so, that was not discouraging, uh, but it was, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a uh, dose of reality that we're not going to show up on campus and, and, you know, all the cool people are going to show up and we're going to have 450 students. And uh, so, it really is a matter of God doing it. So, uh, we started off with one. And in October, two young ladies came up to the information booth where I was at in Squire Student Center, and uh, I had Caleb sitting with me, my oldest son, and they said, your son is so cute. I'm like, all right. <laughs> uh, Want to come to Bible study? <laughs> and, and they said, sure, sure. So they, they came that night, and um, one of them, uh, April. She's engaged to a young man named Jamie, and she brought Jamie the next week, and they faithfully came uh, the rest of the year. And so we went from one uh, in September, we had one more at the end of September, uh, April and Becca started coming, so we had four, and uh, Jamie started coming, so we had five, and at the beginning of the second semester, uh, Corinne started coming, and so we had six at the end of the year. Um, and what's exciting about that, not the number, what was exciting was they, they came to Bible study because they wanted to study the Bible. You know, what, what you see up here, that's all you get. <laughs> I'm not that exciting. Uh, I'm not, obviously, I look the way I look, uh, though I look like Pastor Ken. Uh, <laughs> they, I, this is what you get. And so they're not coming for me. <laughs> They were coming to study the Word together, and they really, uh, what, was, what was exciting and one of the side benefits is they got along great together. Um, they, they cared about one another. They loved one another. They prayed for one another. Um, it was exciting. That, that part was really exciting. So that part, uh, you know, the Bible study grew to six. Um, you know, we would love to see it grow to uh, double that next year. That's what we're praying for. Um, April and Jamie graduated, uh, so we're back down to four. Uh, but we're just praying that the Lord will, will lead us uh, uh, to more students and that we'll be able to have that same collegiate feel, that same group uh, dynamic of them loving one another. So that's, that's the exciting part, um, uh, and I, won't, I, re- I have more to share. I'd love to you, but I really want—you you came to church, not just here ministry update. You came to hear the Word of God. Okay, so let, let's dive into Galatians chapter 5 real quick. And, and let's talk about what's going on here in Galatians. So, what the book of Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote this book to a church that he'd just been with a, a year before. Paul went on his first missionary journey. He, he went to all these churches in Galatia, southern Galatia, and he gave them the gospel. Acts chapter 13 records that. He, he clearly proclaims the gospel. They clearly get saved. What could have happened... In 12 to 18 months. What could have happened that Paul would now have to write the first epistle? This is his very first epistle. So a lot of the, the concepts he, you find in Galatians, he's going to flesh out in all these other epistles to the point of Romans, which is really his treatise on the gospel. So a lot of what we're talking about here you'll find in other books, because this is it. This is the, the, uh, the kernel from which all of those other writings come. So what it, why would he have to write this book Why would he have to write the epistle to the Galatians? Well, the problem is that it's a matter of the truth of the gospel. It's a matter of what truly saves people. I have the title up there, The Gospel of the Free Spirit. Well, it's just a clue to let you know that's where we're going with all this. Okay, so what's the main theme of Galatians? Um, Grace is a good word. (laughs) It's a really good word. And that's a lot of what Galatians is about. But really, this is the word that that Paul keeps coming to, this idea that Paul keeps coming back to, it's freedom. Chapters 1 and 2, Paul's gospel, the gospel that he, get, he received personally from Christ, is free from man's interpretation. It's free from the tradition of men. It's free from even the apostles. It's free from the three top apostles. It's free especially from Peter, the head apostle. What, what is Paul's point in telling us that his gospel is free from these? It's that this isn't based on the tradition of men. Chapter 3 through 4, Paul moves into and he says that the gospel is free from the Mosaic law. It's free from the tradition of Judaism. This is a big issue because you have Gentiles accepting the gospel. For thousands of years before this, the only way that you could relate to the God of Israel... Is how? Well, you had to become an Israelite. There's this rite called circumcision. There's this, this uh, idea of proselytes. You, the only way you could worship the God of Israel, the one true and living God, is to become a Jew and to sacrifice at the temple. Well, <laughs> this is a big problem. Because Gentiles are now receiving the gospel. And all the Jews are saying, that can't be it. <laughs> That's it. They just get in free of charge. No, no, that can't be it. So there's men from Jerusalem who've come to Galatia and said, you know what? Here's the issue is Paul says it's Christ plus nothing. But if Paul would have been here longer, Paul would have told you it's actually Christ plus plus the Mosaic law. You have to get circumcised. You have to follow the dietary laws. You have to start celebrating the feast days, all these things. It's Christ plus this. It's Christ, plus this. It's Christ, plus this. And Paul's saying, no. The issue is, it's Christ and nothing. Because it, it, uh, what he says in, in Galatians chapter 5 at the very beginning of the chapter is, is uh, well, verse, verse number 9. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, a little bit of works righteousness, a little bit of, of working for it distor- destroys what Christ did. You can't have Christ plus following the law. Okay, so that's the issue. All right, so we have the, these two concepts that are at war with one another, law versus grace, specifically the Mosaic law versus the grace found in Jesus Christ. Another way of thinking about law is ritual religious adherence. What, what happened with, with Ethan right here was not a ritual. Pastor Ken said that. It's not a ritual. This isn't something that earns Ethan salvation. This is, a, this is an outward expression of an inward change, okay but what the what the men from Jerusalem were telling the Galatians is you have to do this to be acceptable to God you have to do this work to earn salvation okay so it 's law versus grace all right so what is the answer then to this it 's freedom so look at verses thirteen through six or thirteen through fifteen for you are called to freedom brothers that 's that's it. That's what Paul, he's trying. The, he spent all the, the, uh, the first part of this book leading up to this point. He's laid all this doctrine so that he can now tell them what is true. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, remember we just talked about the law, <laughs> for the whole law is fulfilled in this one word. And what is the one word? At the end of verse 14, the one word is love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The opposite of love, if you bite and devour one another, watch out (laughs) that you're not consumed by one another. The freedom that Paul is talking about is this. It's law-fulfilling love. Well, wait a second, Andy. You just told me that we don't have to obey the Mosaic law. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't. I mean... At all. Most of us, uh, well, I'm dressed the way I am. I'm not wearing, you know, uh, a long robe with the corners tasseled and, you know, the high priest vestment and all this. I'm not obeying the Mosaic law. Okay? So, no, we don't have to, we don't have to follow the law. But Paul is saying, if you follow love, <laughs> all the things that are encapsulated in the law, you will fulfill. Okay? The second thing, then, is verses 16 down through the end of the chapter, and it is, let's look at verse 16. But I say, okay, not walk by the law. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. I wanted to show you two people who are fulfilling the law. But guess what? They don't don't feel like they're slaves. I, I guarantee you they don't feel like they're slaves right now. They feel free. Why? Because they're fulfilling the law according to love. According to love. That's my sister and her new husband. All right, the, se- the second thing then is what, what, uh, what we just read in verse 16. It's spirit-led living. What, how do we have freedom? Spirit-led living. Okay, if we don't have to, if we don't have, to have mosaic-led <laughs> law, living. If, if the law is not what leads us anymore, then what leads us? All right, here's the scary part. Here's the scary part. It's the spirit. Okay, nobody jumped up and left. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, that, now this is why it's scary. Because now I can't look at someone and say, hey, do you do X like I do X? <laughs> Hey, do you go to church where I go to church? Hey, do you, do you read your Bible in the morning like I read my Bible in the morning? No, Paul goes from verse 16 down to verse 22, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is reading your Bible. The fruit of the Spirit is not going to that church. <laughs> no, that's not what Paul says. That's not what he says. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love which we just talked about is, is probably the most important of all these, but the rest of them are just important. Joy, peace, patience. Okay, what brings freedom, what is, evident of, or what is evidenced by our freedom is not more ritual adherence <laughs> to some code of conduct. It's looking like the Spirit, and who is the Spirit? It's Christ, and who is Christ? Christ is God. It's looking like God, because the Spirit is working in us. Two points. I, told you, I should have told you it was short. It's real short. All right, here's our application. There. What makes a Christian? Okay? What makes a Christian? If you were going to make up a list of what makes a Christian, then we go, well, um, my dad told us this uh, poem. It was always told in a funny way, not in an actual truthful way. But uh, I forget how, the, how we always got into it. But it's something like, Rudy Toot Toot, we're the boys from the Institute. We don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't go with the girls who do. All right, well, is that the list of Christian? I mean, is that, is that what makes a Christian? No. <laughs> no. Okay, so what makes a Christian? What we just said, law-fulfilling love and then Spirit-led living. Okay, so there isn't a long list of do's and don'ts. That's what the Mosaic Law is. Okay, so when when you come to Christ, and Christ begins, and the Spirit convicts you of sin, and you change, that doesn't mean that everyone else is going to be at the same place you are. Because the Spirit is working differently in them than he is in you. That's scary. Because now I can't say, well, you know what? Um, I'm going to, Charlie, I'm going to pick on you. I I don't know you, but you know what? Uh, (laughs) I have my hair cut short, Charlie doesn't. Well, obviously, one of us can't be a Christian. No. No. What what does that have to do with spirit-led living? What does that have to do with the the law fulfilling love? How about, how about Charlie looks at me and says, man, his hair is cut short. Maybe I should check for the fruit of the spirit. Okay, so you meet someone where you work and they say, hey, I'm a Christian. You go, man, they don't go to my church. Well, how about you stop and say, is the fruit of the spirit evident in that person? Before... I say, you know what, uh, are you a Christian? Because, <laughs> how about I, I watch their life and see if love is evident in their life before I jump to the conclusion that they can't be a Christian. Okay, so what makes a Christian? Law-fulfilling love and spirit-led living. The, the danger here is that good starts to take the place of godly. So I think it, it is a good thing. It's a really good thing to read your Bible. It is. But what happens is we start saying, well, you know what? I haven't read my Bible today, so God must not love me. I haven't, you know, I just got in a car accident. I should have read my Bible this morning. God's judging me. No, he's not. <laughs> You've, just, you've placed a rule over your life, you've placed a rule over other people's life and said that's the rule you have to attain to instead of saying, okay, is love evident and is the spirit leading? Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have time for more examples. All right, so be careful that good doesn't take the place of godly. All right, last thing here. So what, what is it that we should be looking for in each other what is it that that you sh- primarily you should be looking for in your own life, first of all, first and foremost, it's love for one another, and then that's that the spirit is leading you that you're evidencing the fruit of the spirit when we go to attack and you know on campus, uh, there was a young lady that walked by uh, the information booth, you know she was trying hard to look like a young man, let's put it that way <laughs> and you know, I'm wondering how in the world do you talk to someone like that? I mean, how, what, do I, what am I going to say? What am I going to offer? When I, what, if she would stop and say, tell me about Jesus, what am I going to offer? Well, you know what? You need to uh, change the way you dress. You need to change the way that you act. Uh, you need to let your hair grow longer. You need to do this, this. Is that what I'm going to offer them? Because that's the temptation. That's the temptation is that we offer them a different way of good living, Instead of offering the best thing that we can, which is Christ, and then let Christ work out love and let the Spirit work out the fruit. And that's the scary part. That's the scary part. But that's what Paul, his whole, this whole book of Galatians is about. This is what we studied this, this past uh, semester at Tech. We went through it verse by verse. We went through it. Uh, we went about 14 weeks. We took half a chapter. And at the end, I can tell you this at the end, when we're done, the students know Galatians. The students know what God requires of them. And it's not a checklist that they follow to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's, it's a change in the inner person that only God can do. I'm going to have my dad come up and close in prayer.
1: heard the testimonies this morning, and you've heard the message that it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. Certainly, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, but you'd like to have someone show you from the Word of God, you just come up and speak to us after the service, we'll be more than happy to show you from Scripture how to be saved. This is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, Lloyd, why don't you come forward, please. Memorial Day is what it stands for, memory, remembering those who have fallen, both men and women, those who have represented our country in the military, uh, and who are presently as well as past. And we want to not only pray for our servicemen and women, we also want to pray for our country. Even as uh, as these are difficult days and and as you've watched history unravel or unwind or deteriorate, we certainly need to pray for our country. Uh, But along with that, we need to remember this. We are still salt and light and that we never lose perspective or the responsibility that we have as salt and light. Uh, Those that have served in the military are serving. Would you stand, please, have served or are serving? Let's give them a hand, please.